You're now listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be talking about Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris in a huge win over the Pelicans. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Today, we will be dissecting Tobias Harris in, in a win over the Pelicans, Joel Embiid's dominance, and the duo of Embiid and Harris beginning to close out games together. I am Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, and I'm joined by the OG. Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, what's going on, man? How you been? What's going on, young buck? What's going on? Look, listen, you know, uh, Sixers were able to pick up a 117-107 win over the Pelicans at home. Um, It's good for them to kind of build some momentum at home, Keith. And the biggest example of a guy needing to build some momentum is Tobias Harris, right? Tobias had himself a huge game, 33 points. Um, I believe he shot 12 for 19 from the floor. Uh, he was 3-for-3 three three from deep. He pulled down 11 rebounds. What did you make of Tobias' performance uh, on Tuesday? I mean, he also had two blocks and, and, and one steal. Um, I, I think Tobias played well. He, I ain't going to say I think. Tobias played well. I mean, to me, it looks like that he's finally starting to get his rhythm back. This was his fourth consecutive good shooting performance. And then before that, he had a bad game. But prior to that bad game, he had two solid performances. So when I look at Tobias, I'm, I'm seeing the Tobias Harris that was supposed to be here earlier in the season, you know what I mean, before he got the COVID and all that other stuff. Now let's keep it 100. They went up there and they played the Pelicans, a, a.k.a. the little sisters of the poor tonight. I mean, let's be real. Like, no, let's be right. real. Like, you're I mean, right. You're right. you know what I mean, dude? It was like, come on now. Uh, like, name that starter. You yeah. know what I mean? It was one of those type of things. So, but at the same time, he did what he was supposed to do. Tobias Harris playing against these guys or was supposed to get at least 30 points. He got 33 tonight. So, I, I think that this is a step in the right direction for him. Yeah, and I have to correct myself. He actually shot 13 for 19 from the floor, not 12 for 19. He was able to sneak in another bucket there. Yeah, you don't want to mess that up. No, nah, definitely not. Definitely don't want to mess that up at all. Um, I thought, for me, the biggest thing with Tobias, and, and this is something that Doc has kind of been speaking, speaking and preaching on pretty much ever since he really got here, Keith, is the fact that he wants Tobias making quick decisions, right? Like, it's always like, as soon as you catch the ball, make a decision. As soon as you catch, it's got to drive, he's got to shoot, he's got to do something. Like, it can't just be like him holding on to the ball and attracting defenders towards him because he's, he's too big, he's too strong to be able to, you know, too big and too strong to, like, not take advantage of what he has in terms of his own skill set. So he was able to do that on Tuesday. And really, Keith, he's got to be able to keep that moving forward, man, because I think that's the big difference with him. He's got to keep making these quick decisions. I mean, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, Tobias, you know, it's kind of sort of also like a tough situation for him because, you know, last year and the year before that, his job was to be the finisher in the fast break. You know what I mean? Hit, hit a corner three from here and there. 
Now it's like he has to create, and he also has to create for others. So a lot of times what he does is he gets caught in no man land trying to overthink, like, what do I do, this and that. And that's where he gets in trouble. I mean, I think that the stuff that we they, Doc has him doing right now, due to not having a pure point guard, is kind of like, you know, is, is, is weaknesses for him. Because, again, like you said, he has to be reacting quickly. And it's easy to react quickly when you're running 100 miles an hour, so to speak, and you got a point guard doing a bounce pass to you and you know to go up with the ball. But now when you have to run the offense, it's, it's, it's tough for him at times. Okay, do I pass it? Do I shoot it? Do I, you know, do I step back? You know, so... I just think that this is a, a, a bad situation. And not to be prolonged, you remember once Doc said to us, like, yeah, he's struggling now, but he has to learn how to play this way. You know, he has to learn how to play this way. Yes. So I think that's what it is right then and there. So, yes, to answer your question, he is needs to be quicker with his decisions. But I also think that with this new role, he's overthinking a little bit too much. I agree with you, and I feel like – out of everybody on this roster who's being affected by the absence of Ben Simmons, I think Tobias gets affected the most. Especially because when you when you notice the 2020-21 season compared to this 2021-22 season, um, you know, Ben was that guy who was grabbing rebounds, immediately pushing out. Tobias was able to use his athleticism and be able to just kind of get out, run the floor um, immediately. As you said, take a bounce pass, throw, um, go up with it. He doesn't have to think about it too much. There were a lot of times on Tuesday where Tobias was bringing the ball up. And, you know, I kind of wanted to get, get your thoughts on, on this a little bit. Should the Sixers be putting the ball more in Maxie's hands in order to allow Tobias to just focus on making those quicker decisions? Even though Tyrese is only in his second year, do you feel like they should just have Maxie bring the ball up and just let Tobias do his thing as he did before? You know, that's a great question. And, and you know, at first I'm saying, oh, maybe not. But now I'm saying, yeah, because it comes to a point where, especially since some of these teams, like, you know, it's one of those things where I can see, okay, let's see what Maxie does. Let's try to push tempo with him. Let's try to see how he creates, becomes a leader a little bit more, as opposed to giving the ball up and then going to the corner, right? Because in the playoffs, you're probably going to need that from him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, you, you're going to need that, and you're going to need him and Tobias playing a two-man game at certain times, him and Joel doing that. So, yeah, I, I would at least give it a try. That way you can see what you have. Because there are certain times when he does come down, like today, he did an alley-oop to, um, to Drummond, right? Maxie did. It was it was pretty nice. He, but then there's t- another time where he got the ball, and as soon as he got over half court, he, he uh, passed it to Tobias, and he went off to the corner. And he didn't touch the ball anymore in that possession. So, yeah, you're right. I would like to see that. What about you, though? How do you feel about it? I've always said that they should put the ball in Tyrese's hands a bit more. And I feel like that would not only help Tobias, it would help Tyrese and kind of speed up his development just a little bit more, right? Because at this point in time, as we both know, Ben's not coming back. So Tyrese is your point guard right now. And I feel like if you if you want to trust this guy, come playoff time, Keith, when you're going up against a team like, let's just say, I'm going to use Miami as an example, right? You want to make sure Tyrese is ready to be able to handle the ball against a, against a playoff pressure defense like, like Miami, for example. 
you know, a guy like Kyle Lowry who has championship experience and tons of playoff experience, pushing Tyrese and continuing to just pressure him, that can cause a lot of issues in the playoffs if he's not ready. Now, granted, Keith, Tyrese probably won't be extremely, like, let's just say perfect come playoff time. We all know that. But I feel like to try to advance his development a little bit more, Tyree should definitely be handling the ball at least over these next couple of months leading into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, especially, like, when they play in, let's face I mean, I, I, the problem is the Sixers do play down to opponents yes. a lot tonight. But, but, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, there's certain games where you got to just give it an extended look. You know, just give it an extended look to see what you have um, because, you know, it, it – it, it could come back to bite you, especially if you don't get a, a point guard in return for Ben Simmons. If you don't trade Ben Simmons this year, it's going to come back to bite you. Right, and it would not only help Tyrese, but it would obviously help Tobias as well, just being able to focus on making those quicker decisions and really be able to help out his offensive game because, as we all know, um, the Sixers, they, they really need to make sure that um, Tobias is you know at, at his absolute best, playing next to Joel. All right, speaking of Joel, we are definitely going to get into his amazing performance again and a win over the Pelicans. But first, we're going to hear from Prize Picks. 76ers fans, you've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, now is the perfect time. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a single player in your Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code MBA. That's right, this is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans only who use code MBA. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. I recently placed a flex play entry with an over on Joel Embiid and an under on Scotty Barnes and doubled my money. It took me all 30 seconds to make my selections. It's that easy folks. Go to prizepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your prize picks entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is a daily fantasy made easy. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and Locked On NBA will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels and get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. All right, OJ, listen. Joel Embiid, this is the run that this guy is on. You get... 42 points, 14 rebounds. Um, he shot 12 of 24 from the field, 18 for 20 from the free throw line. And Furkan Korkmaz said it best after the game on Tuesday. He said, frankly, nobody on the Pelicans could guard Joel. And, mm-hmm. you know, like it was just a, it was just really an incredible game for Embiid all around. Yeah, it was. It was an incredible game. I mean, it's becoming – these games are starting to become the norm. It's kind of like – you look at it and you say to yourself, 
especially this game, it's like, yo, he had a quiet 28. Yeah. <laughs> Early on, then he got 30, and you're like, oh, okay, ball. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So it's becoming a norm now. Like, I hate to say it, now we're starting to base things off of that 30-point threshold when it comes down to uh, Joel. Like, if he gets 20-something, ah, he only had 20-something points tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, which is crazy, crazy to yeah, think about, yeah. It's crazy, but but that's what it is. And, you know, he, he did a lot for him. You know, now – he, he did have three turnovers, but he had four blocks. I mean, Joel played, he played well, he played well. Yeah, I just, I thought it was just, I thought it was an incredible game uh, for him all around. Um, it is a little disappointing though, Keith, that they needed Joel, really, and Tobias, let's just say, that's just the two of them. They needed Joel to have 42 points and 14 rebounds just to beat this Pelican team that was not only missing Zion Williamson, who we all know Zion's situation is a weird thing down there, but not only him, but they were without Brandon Ingram, they were without Josh Hart, they were without Jonas Valanciunas, and they were also without Devonta Graham, Keith. And it just, it, it kind of what you were saying earlier in the last segment, this team just continues to just play down to their competition, and I feel like that's a bad thing for them. It is, it's a really a very bad thing. Like. Alexander Walker had 31 points. Willie Herman Gomez had 29 points. You know, um, you look at uh, uh, Jackson Hayes, he comes off the bench, he has 15 points. So you look at it like these guys were balling against the Sixers. Like they couldn't really stop them. I mean, it was one of those things where Embiid was getting his. Now he did block four shots, but Herman Gomez was getting his. You know, and then and, and Alexander Walker, they just didn't have an answer for this guy. Like, he was 5 for 9 on threes. He had 31 points. And this was the common theme. They go up and they play these young teams coming off of playing the second game of a back-to-back. And these guys kind of sort of was had the Sixers on the rope for a long time. That's the scary part. And something else, we talked about Joel. Something you and I talked about before we even got on air. They needed 42 points from Joel Embiid and 33 from Tobias Harris to beat the Pelicans. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the scary part. Yeah, and, and I feel like, Keith, that's definitely going to be some type of factor come playoff time, especially when, like, you kind of sit here and you think about it, right? And Joel, he, he played, what, 33 minutes on Tuesday? Tobias played over 39. And for me... That just shouldn't happen against this Pelican team. Now, you, you look at 33 minutes for Joel and be like, you know, whatever. But thirty, but almost 39, excuse me, over 39 for Tobias just can't happen, especially against this Pelican team. Just It, it should have been um, a quote-unquote easy W. I mean, you don't want to say, oh, it's yet, it, you, there should be no easy Ws. It's the NBA. These guys are still professional players, and I get that. I understand it. But um, overall, I, just, I think that, that there's just no way that this game should have been as close as it was and they needed Joel to do as much as he did. Nah, yeah, I mean, that's tough. That's tough for him. And you look at it in the beginning, Joel was kind of like going through the motions a little bit. A little bit. And then then all of a sudden he was like, oh, oh I got to step it up. I got to play for us to, to not suffer an embarrassing loss. Now, again, they did end up getting winning by double digits, but it took a while for them to get everything going. And it, it, it was basically Joel and, and Tobias who did it for him. Now, don't get me wrong, Maxi, Tyrese Maxi did hit a couple big big shots, like, you know, once they got rolling. So so that worked out. But, yeah, this is something that they have to play better. Yeah, just from top to bottom, they need help. 
Straight up, they need help. Um, it, like it, it can't just be, it can't just be two guys. And the and, and here's another thing that I kind of want to point out here. Joel, after the game, said something along the lines of, "I still got to be able to push myself, right?" And th- there, there was a moment in the fourth quarter, Keith, where he was bending over on his knees, um, hand, or hands on his knees, and and he was just really, you know, he looked tired, he looked gassed, and. You, you could look at it and be like, oh, he only played 33 minutes. But the fact that he had to play that much against against New Orleans in a game in January and have to put in that much effort, I'm telling you, like that can be a big issue and a big factor come playoff time. Nah, I, I disagree with that. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I also think that his, he's tired because he hasn't played this amount of minutes before, games before. Okay. I mean, I mean, I get what you're saying, but like, I think that you got to realize something. This is the most consecutive games that Joel Embiid has played in his career, right? In one stretch. So I get what you're saying and all that, and you do want to keep him healthy. But remember, last year they tried to do that, and he ended up getting hurt anyway. So I think Fair that point. he needs to get like in in better condition. I mean, I mean, and, and that's not a knock against him, but he, he has to. He has to hit through that wall, and he's tired. He also has to learn how to pay, to pace himself a little bit, and I think he's doing that. But, you know, I think that, you know, this is, you know, the NBA, and you got to play these games. You got to do this, and you got to do that. Because, I mean, there's nobody probably as an all-star and elite player who probably played fewer games in his career than Joel Embiid. So I think the test for him now is to just be able to, uh, you know, uh, get through this. He'll have time to rest in the All-Star, especially his team needs him to do it. So that's a tough one. All right, so let me ask you this. Where do you stand on pushing him right now? Because, you know, they have to move up in the Eastern Conference standings, Keith. They got to get home court advantage, right? You know, you don't want to have to go on the road for a game seven in round one, um, at least. So where are you kind of staying on pushing him in, you know, this with so much time left in the season compared to maybe load managing a little bit? I mean, I think right now, like, uh, unfortunately for him, they don't have any other option. I mean, you look at it right now. So he played, of all the starters, he played 33 minutes and 10 seconds. That and what Matisse did, 33 and 10, that was the fewest minutes for his starters. And when you look at the bench guys, you say to yourself, like, Okay, like Charlie Brown, he had four minutes. Isaiah Joe had 21.54. Niang, 21.21. Drummond, 14 minutes, 39 seconds. So, I hate to say it, like, they need Joel Embiid to play these minutes. You know, he he had, what, he had about, what, uh, 15 minutes. He had 15 minutes uh, break. And yeah, Drummond fifth. He had fourteen thirty nine minutes break. I don't know. I just think that for him to be able to be able to sustain some conditioning, get in better shape, he's going to have to go through this right now. Now, again, you have to be careful. You have to avoid injury. But right now, I think this is what Joel Embiid has to do, and this is what the Sixers need for him to do in order for them to win games. Because let's face it, dude, we know that he struggles or they struggle when he's not on the floor. No, absolutely. And I, I agree with you to a certain extent because I, I still believe that 
he should be resting in certain games. Now, unfortunately, as you mentioned, Keith, they really can't right now because he's literally throwing the Sixers on his back and he's carrying them to wins. And without him, as you mentioned, they struggle and it's really tough for them to even do that. Um, but maybe he can get some help from Tobias Harris, and that's what we're going to talk about next after we hear from Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions, right? If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or, or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy but this gets so boring. By like week three you might be thinking this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar which usually has around 240 calories 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs and there's so many flavors to choose from coconut almond peanut butter brownie raspberry cookies and cream salted caramel mint brownie and many more in fact built is always coming out with new limited time flavors so check out built.com often to see what's new go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com All right, so, Keith, in that last segment, we kind of talked about Joel and his dominance and how much the Sixers continue to rely on him and things of that nature. You know, we kind of touched a little bit on load managing and continuing to push him to try to move forward in the standings and things of that nature. But do you think now that Tobias Harris is beginning to look like he did in the previous season over the last couple of games – could that maybe be a factor in closing games out and being able to give Joel some type of rest in games? It, it, it can, but, you know, I, I still think, I mean, it, it, it can, but I still think that, you know, when you look at Joel, I mean, you need him on the floor being dominant because then that's going to help Tobias out. Now, yes, the fact that Tobias looks good, he, he's, he's a good, good quality option. But to be honest with you, we don't even know if Tobias is going to be here past the trade deadline. Not wrong. So, like, you know, so when we talk about, yo, Tobias is, looks good, he's doing this, he may be <laughs> raising up his trade stock, <laughs> trade value. But, but you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, if he stays, yeah, I would say that. You know, he just seems like he's getting in better rhythm. But at the same time, unfortunately, I don't think that on this team the way it is, that they can afford to give Joel rest. I, I just don't see it, like, right now. I don't. Because, you know, Drummond's a, a quality backup, probably yeah. the best backup Embiid has. But it's a reason why – I mean, it's not coincidental that Joel Embiid scored 42 points at a game, a game highs of 42, 14 rebounds, and four blocks. And they won by 10 points, and but they ran away late. That just tells you how much they need him on the floor. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I, I guess it's like I, I kind of look at Joel, and I really, like, if, if I'm if I'm the Sixers, I, I just I don't want to put too much stress on him this early in the season. And, you know, Doc kind of talked about it pregame. You know, he kind of said the science and, and, you know, the conversations with Joel and things like that, that will tell me that when he needs a break. And – you know, um, Doc even mentioned it. Doc Doc was like, listen, we, we are going to probably rest him here pretty soon, but it's going to 
it's really going to depend on when he needs it or, or whenever he says he needs it. Like, there's a lot that kind of goes into it that way. But I feel like at some point you're definitely going to have to rest him. And maybe Tobias and Joel can kind of be that closer, those two closers towards the end of games. Now, Keith, I'm actually going to hit you with a curveball here. T- Tobias, you, you just you just mentioned that you know he possibly could be gone by here by the deadline. Do you think of do you have like a guy they could trade for who's not a star but could help this team right now? Like for example, say like a Terrence Ross from the Magic, or maybe a Goran Dragic in Toronto. Now I'm not saying you trade Tobias for these guys, but do you feel like maybe there there could be somebody out there that could help this team right now? Well, that's that's, that's a good great question. Um... You know, I always thought, but you know, every I always thought that uh, what's the kid from Michigan? What's his name? Oh man, for for, for who? For Indiana. Oh, Levert. Yeah, I always thought like a guy like Levert would, would be able to help him. You know, as a three, you know, somebody, you know, he could be able to start at the three, or if you have Matisse starting, you could have Levert coming in off the bench. But in order to do that, you're gonna have to package some other people with him. You know, um, you know, Fred Van Bleet would help him a lot. Van Bleet would be a huge help. Yeah, huge help. But what you're talking about is kind of like fours, right? You know, or kind of like fours. I mean, another guy I was maybe thinking of is maybe Goran Dragic. You know, he's only played five yeah. games in Toronto. He's he's not in the Raptors' plans. He hasn't played since uh, early November. You know, I mean, he's he's. I know he's working out in Miami to like get himself ready for whenever he gets to his next team. But maybe you wait wait for him in the buyout market. You know, like maybe the, the Raptors just buy him out. Yeah, my scary thing about that is like if you're waiting for a guy, because he's you know he, he's not a, quite a young guy anymore. No. So like if you're if that's the guy and you want to wait for him. Uh, in the buyout market or even now, like we don't even know how long it's going to take for him to get back in game shape. Now, I kind of – I don't want to compare him to George Hill, but I'm going to compare him to George Hill. <laughs> I know it was a different situation, but George Hill wasn't ready to play when he came here. This is true. And he came – and then when he played, he didn't exactly play well. So the Sixers kind of knew it was a mistake. And because you could tell how they knew it was because they didn't resign him. So my thing is a guy like Gordon Dragic is a is a gr- a great player. He was good with with Miami, but to me it's one of those things where they wanted to upgrade at the position for a reason, right? Right. And you got Kyle, and then secondly, he's not he's only played in five games, so he just has to get back in shape. And I don't know if the Sixers can afford to wait that long. That that is a very good point. And, you know, the reason why I was thinking Dragic was because they need another ball handler, Keith. They, they definitely need one. I mean, obviously their biggest needs are more like perimeter scoring and, and things of that nature at the deadline. But ball handling is another one that's really up there. Because as I mentioned earlier, Tyrese, I feel like he's going to have a tough time handling the pressure of the playoffs. Now, granted, the kid has shown a lot of mental toughness for being 21. But there, there's going to be a lot that he's going to have to kind of be have thrown at him, you know, come playoff time. So I was thinking maybe Dragic as a gritty guy, as toughness, things like that. But I can see your point. A guy like Levert, I feel like, would be such a huge help for this team. Now, do you remember, Keith, in the 2019 playoffs with Brooklyn and they had a face that, that Nets team with Levert, D'Angelo Russell, and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and those guys? 
Levert gave the Sixers a lot of trouble in that series. Business, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, as a guy who can score from the perimeter, a guy who can um, – he, he's a very good distributor, an underrated distributor. I, he, he's a better defender than what people think of as well. Just would you trade Tobias – for Karis LeVert. I mean, nah. I mean, obviously you'd probably have to throw in other pieces coming from Indiana or, or even from Philly's part, but would you maybe center a package around that deal? I mean, only how I would do that if I'm trying to just dump salary. If I'm trying to get off of Tobias's salary and then I can get LeVert, but then I also get some expiring contracts just so I could get dump salary, I, I would do that. But outside of that, like, you know, I, I don't know if I would. I mean, because, you know, my thing is, it just, I mean, it, it, it dumping salary could be their number one game plan. But at the same time, if, if you're saying to me, like, you just get Levert, yeah. in order for me to see what's going to happen, I got to see what other pieces. Because I don't think you can make that deal straight up So because of the salaries. But so I just need to know what else that they're going to get back and 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 there now, look, you know, Levert would be a great pickup, like I said, like we both talked about. I just don't know if that's a trade, you know, if 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 if, if it's not just about like trading for salary, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that would be really tough to really kind of pull off. For me, I just I feel like Levert could be that. Levert is like. Just a little bit more, little bit more athletic than Tobias. But they play different positions too. Yeah, they do, and and, and that would be kind of be the big question. Like at that point, it's like, who starts at the four then? Like, do you put George Niang, in, like in the lineup? Because at that point, you won't really have a choice. Then you have to rely more on Paul Reed, and you know, and then and another um, other big men and things like that to put next to Joel. So, I see what you're saying. Um, I, I guess like for me, I feel like just because the team is in such big need of another perimeter scorer that Levert just kind of popped up in my mind immediately. But, yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, I, I get it. There really isn't a lot that the team can really go after at the deadline, especially with everything with the, with the Simmons situation and Harden in the offseason and everything else in between. It's definitely going to be hard to just, like, really figure out what the team can add to the deadline. Now, before we wrap things up, Keith, Doc did say he wants a playmaker at the deadline. Uh, or he didn't say that, but he thinks the team could add a playmaker at the deadline. Because that's going to be a factor in the playoffs. So, just off the top of your head, we got about a minute left. Is there a playmaker out there that kind of pops in your mind? I mean, that they can get. Yeah. Uh, CJ McCollum. Yeah. Yeah. And then the one thing I just want to clarify, he didn't exactly say that's what he that's what he wanted to say, but what he said was, "I want one of our guys to be more of a playmaker." Was it? Yeah. You talking about a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, no, you're right. What he, I mean, that's what he meant to say. Okay. But what he actually said was, that's the one thing that we need to correct on. You know what I mean? Now, okay. again, you are right. That's what he wanted to say. <laughs> well, I, 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 he said playmaking would be something I think we need. Well, yeah, but he was talking about with the current roster. That's what he was saying. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to like you know you you know you're my young boy. I ain't trying to like say hey guy you got that wrong. Nah, but what, what I'm saying is like because because remember the question was asked, what does this team need? Oh, we uh, we're okay. I I know we. I'm not trying to say. And then the next question, a couple questions later, was on of your current roster. What are some of the things y'all you need to work on? Then he said we need some. Uh, we need a playmaker. 
We need someone to be a playmaker. But I think that could be uh, CJ McCollum. McCollum would be an absolute help just for, for this team. I, I feel like it just will be absolutely terrific. All right, guys. Thank you so much for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. Listen, for the OG Keith Pompey, I'm Kai Carlin. We're out. We'll see you guys next time.